0: You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Amen. Mm. Thank you, worship team. I can sit there all day long. I wanna echo what Pastor Jason talked about earlier today. Guys, if you haven't heard, we have purchased a building, so I am super excited. Man, I know I'm excited. I don't know about you. I've lost any chance of having any more hair left. Amen. It is gone. I tell you, the stress levels of just trying to really just find a place because as I look out and I see our families, I'm like, my God, where will you have us to go? You know, just praying and, and just fasting and asking God to show us that He will provide for our church so that way we can continue to be great stewards of what He's already given us. So yes, um, this coming Saturday, it's a work day, so if you want to grab some gloves, chainsaws, sledgehammers, whatever you call it, you name it, you bring it. And um, we would love for you guys just to partner with the church um, this coming Saturday, which is the day before Easter from nine o'clock in the morning to two. We will provide breakfast and lunch, and we will guarantee that you will be tired when you leave, amen? So don't go, don't worry about working out that morning. Just come on in, you will get your workout. But the facility that we have is about 40,000 square feet, and just the worship center by itself is about 15,000 square feet. And so guys, we need some help. Uh, we, We definitely need your help to come in. We will send out an email and just communications later this week to let you know how you can kinda just, just be available to help us transition. That's just one of ma- very many moves that we will take place in because we gotta move all this stuff. Man, cheers, TVs, sound systems, kids stuff, I mean, production, I mean, you name it, we have to move all of that and set up into our new location and so on. We need your help, but also, um, this coming Friday is a night of worship. What we just experienced it, just just a, a dim preview of what God is gonna do this coming Friday night. And so, if you would like to partner with us, actually, if you wanna just, just show up and just see what God is gonna do. It's no interruptions. God is just gonna kinda just have His way. And I just pray that if, there won't be any messages or anything. It's just a night of just a worship before our Lord and our Savior because that's just practice, right? Because once we get to heaven, what are we gonna be doing? 24-7, worshiping. So this is just practice before the real game begins. And so yes, um, I wanna kinda highlight a couple of different things is last week we started on our new sermon series called At the Cross. And so our sermon that we had last week, we, we talked about standing at a crossroad. How many have you ever stood before Across. So when a crossroad is where you have to make a decision, do, do I go left or, or do, do I go right? Do I, do I continue to walk forward or do I begin to walk backwards? And last week we talked about, I posed a question. I asked you, does your decision line up with God's desires? The decisions that you make in life, do they line up with God's desire? We also said that your alignment with God is determined by your actions with God. But I really want to kind of highlight just my my three-point sermon yes, last week and the three points that I talked about is that following Jesus is greater than your comfort, amen. Your comfort should be out the window. Like it doesn't matter how or what you feel or what if if you're in your feelings, that your comfortability in the gospel really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things following Jesus is greater than our desires. Because truly, even though the scripture tells that God would give us our desires of our heart, but sometimes the desires that we have as, as men and women just living on this earth is it's not of God. And even if our desires to do kingdom things, sometimes our desires does not line up with God's providential will for your life. But what I want to kind of highlight is one thing that we talked about my last point last week was this that following Jesus is greater than your family. And then I had two people kind of came by and said, Pastor Ryan, can you, can you do me a favor? Actually, they kind of rebuked me in the Jesus name just a little bit because they said, that's kind of one-sided. And I love that because they, my team, our, my family, our family, our One Church family, you know, they, they keep me accountable. And so what I want to do is just kind of expound on that just a little bit more because just because of time, I felt that I was semi-rushed just a little bit just to kind of make sure I was making time. Let me just expound on what we talked about last week when I mentioned that following Jesus should be greater than our family, right? And the scripture that we highlighted was, okay, what was it? Uh, Matthew something, something, chapter something, 61. But I'm going to give you the verse. Pray for your pastor, amen. It says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Remember where Jesus had a conversation with these individuals and he said, well, follow me. I will follow you anywhere. I'm a ride or die Jesus fan, right? And he said, well, just follow me. Well, let me go back and do this. And so this particular passage of the scripture said that, before I follow you, God, let me go back and bid my family farewell. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. And what I want to kind of just highlight is this. Now, we embrace family within our one church. We embrace it so much that Jason, who did the announcements today, he's our family pastor. And we know that the target of the institution of the family was the first attack of Satan. We see that in the book of Genesis. And so when Satan... Attack the institution, the development of the family. We have to go back and begin to reinstitute what God has already set up where the enemy is trying to tear down. And we see that even through today's society where we see that, you know, where the husbands are leaving the family unit, where there's a lot of single parent family homes. I am a byproduct of a single parent home where my mom raised us, four kids. And we know that statistically speaking, that if the parents, both parents are in the household. the children that is actually a byproduct of, the, of that, Oh, you know that, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, we know that they'll be better off. Studies just see it, so it, just shows it. In school, historically speaking, academically speaking, financially speaking, that those children are better off. And so when we say that, following Jesus is greater than your families, that sometimes as believers, we put our family before the gospel. And, I, and I'm in agreement with you that where it should be God first, and then if you're married, it's your spouse, then your family, okay? But oftentimes that we work so hard because, you know, for me, I grew up, you know, we, we grew up kind of poor, right? You know, my mom did an amazing job raising us. You know, we struggled, everybody struggled from time to time. And I said, you know what, I'm a, my mother gave our, our, her kids opportunities to do better. And in those opportunities, I said, you know what, I'm gonna take that opportunity to ensure that my family, we're gonna level up to the next level. And so in that, I decided I'm gonna work. I'm gonna grind it out, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna make sure that you know I have a great profession and things are gonna kinda of take place. And in, do that, in doing that, guess what I did? I sacrificed my family. I missed out on opportunities where I was missing soccer games or swim meets or volleyball games, and I said no more. No more, I had to realign my priorities in such a way that I can go back and making sure that one, that I'm following Christ and to leading my family in a way that's gonna honor God. And so I just wanna thank those two individuals um, who kinda of just pulled me to the side, I'm gonna call my sister out, Cass, she said, Pastor Ryan. She, she didn't say, she normally says Brother Ryan, but she said, Pastor Ryan. <laughs> so I knew where that conversation was going already. And so I'm like, Cass, what's up? She said, well, you know, well, how do you begin to? So I'm like, you know what, you're right. Sometimes we do church so much that we forego our family. And here are one church that says before, Pastor Jason is our family pastor, and we try to make sure that we have safeguards in our ministries where we don't work too much. You know, we don't want to do ministry seven days a week where we have 20,000 20, different mini ministries. And so oftentimes what we'll do is that we'll, we'll make sure that we, we focus on the main thing. And so we will not be a church that has 60 different small ministries. We want to have maybe three or four and do those well. And so, people come and say, Pastor I have this amazing idea, let's, let's do this. I'm like, okay, two things before I get into my sermon. If we try to launch another ministry, I, my, my team says they know this, is it sustainable? And who's on the team? That's all I preach. If you want to start a ministry, first question i ask you, how is it going to be sustainable? And who's on your team? And the third one typically asks, does it line up with our vision? Because if we create a ministry that we start off and then you're the only one leading it and we don't have levels of leaders up under it to make sure that we've already created a need in the community, we created a need inside the church, then we won't start that ministry. Amen? Amen. Y'all might not like it, but that's just how we roll. Okay? Okay. But we wanna make sure that we protect the family. You know, we go out and we do skate night. You know, one of my favorite skate nights, and this is off topic, but just because we're family, like we can do it for the next five minutes. One of my favorite skate nights, we had a 70s, 80s, and 90s skate night. You know, we went out, we had an Afro on, we was just going out skating, and people wearing bell bottoms. My son had on an MC Hammer outfit. He doesn't even know who MC Hammer is. I'm like, you know, what was MC Hammer? Wasn't that the dance like this? Y'all remember that, right? And then uh, in the month of October, we had a pink out. Not because of Pinky Mitchell, amen, right? But it's just because it's a pink out. She gonna get me because I'm preaching about her. She know I love her. But it was a pink out just in the awareness of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, these things like where we go to a park and we rent a park out and we have gazebos and different things where we really focus in on the family unit because we know that the enemy is always attacking the family. So, yes, so guys, I just want to kind of just go back and just kind of say that, yes, our desire to follow Jesus should be greater than our family, but we have to make sure that we have balance in all that we do. If you have your Bibles, let's um, open up your scriptures to Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, it is 1114, and I will make sure that we move out on time. Amen. Yes. If you haven't, say amen. If you don't, say, hold up, pastor. I hear you. Mark is in the New Testament. If you flip to the back, you have M&Ms, Mark, excuse me, Matthew and Mark, Luke and John. Mark chapter eight, verses 34 through 38. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The word of the Lord says as follow. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with holy angels." Today's message, if I had to give it a title, would be Take Up Your Cross. Take up your cross. You know, growing up, I was a PK, that means pastor's kid, and I can remember going to church every Sunday, almost every day. You know, Monday night we have, you know, Bible study night, Tuesday night we have prayer night, Wednesday we had another missionary night, Wednesday, Thursday was, you know, worship practice night. So every single day was something that we were doing inside the church. And then Ashton and Kendall, growing up as the second generation of PKs, preachers' kids, pastor's kids, not going to church was not an option, amen. They knew we were going to church every Sunday, and it's not an option now. As long as they live in my house, they know they're getting up and going to church, amen. I don't care how late they stay out, Saturday night, they came home almost 1 o'clock in the morning yesterday, I'm telling it. They came home 1 o'clock in the morning yesterday, hanging out with church people, which is great, but they know at 6 o'clock is roll call, guess what's going to happen? get up and go to church. I learned pretty quickly what church looked like, and I began to ask, what does a Christian look like? What do we believe and how do we respond to these certain situations? It doesn't matter what denomination you are a part of or what you have become a part of, there should be some common denominators in the Protestant faith. Amen? It doesn't matter if you're Wesleyan or Baptist or Methodist or Kojic or Presbyterian or even Pentecostal, there should be some common denominators about what Christianity looks like. Growing up in a Baptist church, I remember seeing in the church that big old wooden plaque that was on the wall. Y'all remember that wooden plaque? Oh, come on church. And that wooden plaque that used to have the, the church attendance, used to also have the church offering. And there always used to be this banner, that used to be the, the Sunday school class who had the highest offering for that Sunday. See growing up in church I knew that in, in, in the pews before me there used to be this, this Bible, and I'm not talking about you know the Bibles that we carry today where we have NIV or NLT or, or the New King James. It had to be a King James Bible. See growing up in church next to that King James Bible used to be this little green book we used to call what? A hymnal. Songs like Amazing Grace, we used to turn the pages in, we used to sing the song. See, we, didn't, we weren't fancy where we had words on the screen, but no, we had to sing the hymns out of the hymnal. So every Sunday, this is what I saw church was made up like. When we had baptism, we used to sing a song. Take me to the wall, y'all remember that song? No, I'm not going to go, I'm going to (laughs) stop. Take me to the water. Then he used to say to be baptized. See, there were some things that we saw every single Sunday that was kind of just framework, who gave me the framework of what my Christian faith was like. Growing up in church, we used to have what we call the mothers of the church. And the mothers of the church had a rite of passage. (laughs) Y'all laugh because y'all know what I'm talking about. The mothers of the church had the right of passage to any child that used to run around church. And the mothers of the church used to yank them up and say, Child, sit down. Even the mothers of the church had the right of passage that they can lay hands on your child. Mm. Spare the rod for the child. Amen. See, we need some mothers of the church in this generation where the children are running a monk. But some of my favorite mothers of the church, boy, there always used to be this one mother of the church. We used to call her the candy lady. And the reason being because the mother of the church, she used to reach down into her purse. She used to pull out a Ziploc bag of candy. Used to, where's Wawa at? Where's Mama at? Mama B, where you at? Yes, my, my. You used to reach down into that bag, open up the Ziploc bag of candy. Yum. She had candy for everybody. That was the mothers of the church. But growing up in the church, you know, in, in the pews next to the King James Bible and the hymn used to be this cardboard fan. And on that cardboard fan used to be Martin Luther King, and when it got hot, used to have a little popsicle stick and handle on it, right? But on the back of that fan used to be what—a funeral home. I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all, I'm I'm going back just a little bit. This was what I grew, this is what church looked like for me, this is how I knew church was. And so growing up, this was what I encountered as my Christian faith. But growing up in church, I also used to have this thing, what we call testimony service. Mmm, my, my. A mother of the church used to get up and say things like this, good morning, saints. First of all, I would like to give honor to my God, who is the head of my life. I remember seeing and hearing certain experiences that really shaped my Christian experience. Our chair deacon would get up and pray the same prayer every Sunday. The deacon would pray something like, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, <laughs> Lord, we come before Thee as we bow our heads in with a humble spirit. I used to memorize that prayer by that chair deacon every Sunday because he did not change his prayer up for anything or anybody. And even in church, someone what we call catch the Holy Spirit. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And one of the mothers of the church, if it was a lady and she used to kind of just fall out, what the mother would do begin to take her a lap cloth and she would do what? Yes. Lay it down on the mother of the church, one on the person who caught the Holy Spirit. Right. See, growing up in church, I attended a church called Mount Zion Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. Before you start judging me and looking at me like what was going down back in 95, yes, I was there when... The fire was there with David Koresh, but don't judge me, just pray for me, amen? But my church experience in Mount Zion Baptist Church, I always knew that it didn't matter what my bishop preached on that Sunday morning. It always led back to Calvary. You see, the bishop of my church, the pastor of my church, he always ended up at Calvary it didn't matter where he started, he could have started in Genesis with Adam, he, he would end up in Calvary. It didn't matter if he was preaching on Nehemiah about rebuilding the wall, he will always end up at Calvary. He can begin to be talking about Jonah and the well and how you are laid into the well of the belly. The belly of the well, he always ended up at the cross at Calvary. See, the bishop knew Even if he was talking about the book of Revelations with John, he would find his way back to Jesus somehow. He would begin to take a deep breath. And then the organ would begin to play. And if the organ wasn't playing, he would do this little number on the side. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The musicians knew that, guess what? Get on the keys because I'm about to throw it down. See, Bishop would be like, uh, he would talk about the Jesus that they took and hung him high on a wooden tree. Anda, uh, Stretched him wide and uh, this was my Christian experience. Y'all laughing because y'all know it's true. He would take a microphone and he would take his handkerchief cloth and he would take it over the the, the microphone and he would begin to preach Jesus coming to Calvary. He used to say things like, he died and the veil was torn. And when he died, the earth shook. And then if you weren't responding correctly, he would ask a rhetorical question like, didn't he die? i got to keep it together because, <laughs> oh my gosh, God help me. And then we would talk to the church. Didn't he die, at church? Y'all know what I'm talking about. He would say things like, I know he died. Surely he died. But they put him in a bar or tomb man. He laid there Friday night and all day Saturday and then all night Saturday night, but sometimes Sunday morning when the dew was still on the grass. But sometimes Sunday morning. (laughs) And if they weren't getting it, he used to say early. Early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. I learned early on in my Christian walk the only thing that mattered was the cross and Jesus. The only thing that mattered is the cross and Jesus. One of my mentors told me, Pastor Ryan, he said, Ryan, look, whatever you do and whatever you preach, never get too far from the cross. Don't get too far from the cross. See, there's churches that's out there right now that don't even begin to preach about the cross of Jesus. But we have to know it's because of the cross that we have salvation. It's because of the cross of Jesus that gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only that the cross that we have salvation. First Corinthians chapter two, verses one through five says this. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or words of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Let me read verse two one more time. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Corinth was this, he said all the other stuff really doesn't matter because if if Jesus did not take the road to Calvary, if He didn't take the cross for you and I, our faith, The very gospel that we believe in is null and void. It is only because of the cross and him being crucified is what give us access to the kingdom of heaven. So I begin to ask myself questions like, what does the Bible say about the cross? How and what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? What does it mean to carry a cross? to really give you guys an understanding the weight of what Christ did for us. We're gonna to begin to watch a short clip of a very powerful movie that, personally, that I can only watch one time a year. One of my favorite movies, and if you have not seen it, I encourage you to watch it. But I would say that it is it's graphic. One of my favorite movies I love to watch is called The Passion. It was directed by Mel Gibson some years ago, and the passion is probably the best depiction of what Christ, our Lord and Savior, began to walk through from birth, or in other words, from the cradle to the grave. If you've never watched it, I encourage you to take some time to watch it. But to give you an understanding and to give you some clarity, the weight of the cross that Christ bear for you and I, let's watch this clip. The cross, the cross wasn't pretty. The cross was condemnation. The cross was public humility The cross is where Jesus was spat on, kicked. He was beaten. The cross is where you and I as sinners was begin to be ridiculed. The cross was judgment here on earth The cross was your your guilty verdict. I want you to get that. The cross is where God says you are are guilty, that you are guilty of every sin, of every transgression. You are guilty, and you're not worthy to step foot in my heaven. So what does it mean to take up your cross? What does it mean that each man must bear his own cross? Because Luke says this, whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke says, if you don't wanna wear that shame, that guilt of that rugged cross, you cannot even be my disciple. So carrying that cross, we are saying that we are willing to follow Christ daily. That we are willing to surrender our lives to Him. That daily that I will line my life after Christ. It was an invitation for Christ to meet you right where you're at. So as I look at Mark chapter 8. Verse 34 says this. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, whosoever comes after me, let him first deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. So what does it mean to deny myself? What does it mean to to come after me? What does it mean to follow Christ? And what does it mean to take up your cross? See, verse 34 is a request in Mark chapter eight. Actually, it's a command. God is asking you, if you're willing to be my disciple, deny yourself, come after me, pick up your cross. And picking up your cross, you're admitting that you're a sinner, that you're guilty. If you think about it, that's what Romans 10, 9 is about that if you confess with your mouth, (laughs) believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came and He died and He's coming back, that you will have eternal salvation, that you will live a life in eternity with me. The God that we serve never just tells us that you must do this. He never says, do this without me asking, just do it because I'm telling you to do it. Like he says, no, but if you do this, this is what takes place. If you read verse 34 by itself, you will miss what Mark is saying. You have to read 34 in conjunction with 35 and 36 and 37 and 38. He says, because if, you take up that cross. And if you deny yourself, and if you follow me, then whoever desires to save his life will lose his life. But whoever loses his life for my sake, the gospel will save it. See 34 is connected to verse 35. And in verse 35 it's connected to verse 36 because in verse 36, It tells us what does it profit you to get the entire world that you would gain all these riches and all this wealth, but yet you lose your own soul. But if you're willing to exchange your life for mine and not be ashamed of me and my words, if you begin to proclaim the Son of Man and who He is, He will come in all of His glory. And He will begin to speak to His Father. Then He will give charge over His angels over you. And then you can dwell in eternity with Him. And as I begin to close, I begin to look at this water bottle and if I were to ask you how heavy is this bottle, some of you may say maybe two ounces, maybe six ounces, maybe even sixteen ounces. But in all reality, the absolute weight of this water bottle doesn't matter. The weight of the bottle only depends how long I'm willing to hold onto it. Because after one minute, nothing happens. But if I decide to hold onto it for another hour, my arm may begin to get numb, even weak. Then I begin to hold onto this water bottle all day long, I will begin to see that my arms will be paralyzed Pastor Ryan, what are you saying? How long are you willing to hold unto your sins? How long are you willing to carry the weight of your sin? See, Jesus' journey to Calvary, we have to know that Scripture tells us that He was not alone his journey on Calvary, he had this young man by Simon of Cyrene along the way where he fell with that cross and the weight of the cross fell on top of him. A young man came by his side and helped him up and began to carry that cross with him. So I'm coming here to tell you today that you don't have to carry that cross by yourself, better yet that you are not even designed to carry that cross by yourself. You're not designed to carry that sin, that bitterness, that that, that unforgiveness, that hatred that's, that you may carry day after day. You're not designed to carry that secret sin that you've been walking with year after year Because First Peter says this, Chapter two, verses twenty, Chapter two, verses twenty four and twenty five that he himself bore our sins in his body on that cross. So that way that we may die to our sins and live a life for righteousness. For by his wounds we have been healed. That we were like sheep who gone astray. But now ye have returned to the great shepherd, the overseer of our souls. So if you don't mind standing with me today as we close, as we know that scripture tells us that we have to carry our own cross. And if you're here today and you don't know where you're going, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven, I will ask that you come before the altar today. And let us pray with you. Let us walk with you through the sinner's prayer. And you know what? Don't, don't be afraid and don't be ashamed, because Scripture tells us that if you are ashamed of me before men. I would be ashamed of you before my Father. Know that you are in great company, that your church want to rally around you and pray with you and walk with you and begin to do life with you and encourage you along the way that you don't have to carry this cross by yourself because we have believers. We have deacons and elders and pastors and brothers and sisters in Christ who is willing to walk this walk with you in such a way when your cross is getting too hard for you to carry, when it's getting too heavy for you to carry. That we have errands and Ur's in in this church who's willing to hold your arms up when you are weak. So today could be your day for you to give your life to Christ. And if everyone's here saved, know that you're not alone. Know that you don't have to walk this life out by yourself. Know that you have a community of believers. You have neighbors in arms length arms who's willing to say that we love you and that we're willing to do life with you. Because there's no other name under heaven which man can be saved. And that only name is Jesus Christ. And i reminded it to tell you today that this church would never get too far from the cross. That we will preach the gospel of Christ of Him coming and being born of a Virgin Mary, lived 33 years, sent by His Father, who died for you and me, so that way we can have a relationship with God the Father. And yes, He was stretched wide and hung on a wooden cross because we had a a guilty verdict on our lives. But I'm here to tell you, this coming Friday, There's a not guilty verdict coming, come on church. There's a not guilty verdict for you and I because Friday where he died, he's he's gonna rise in three days. And on that third day, on that third day, early, that's right, early Sunday morning, our Lord and our Savior with all power and with all authority rose for you and I, amen. So the altar is open. If you're saved, that's great. But if you have some unfinished business with your Father, bring it to the altar. If you have some unresolved request, bring it to the Father. If there's some things that you say, God, we need to talk, bring it to the Father. Thank you for listening to audio from One Church. If you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is, visit onechurchnc.net. If you are local to our campus, claim your visit online at onechurchnc.net slash visit.